Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Groh. And we're delighted that you're here. And today we've got a really special guest. And I'm going to let you intro him because you're kind of closer to him than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Well, my intro might be a little different than a normal intro. (laughs) This is um, Michael and my third son, Micah. Um, I'll let Micah tell about it. Yeah. So where we want to start, um, your story is pretty well known. Um, via internet, via YouTube, via the Adams Road ministry, concerts and stuff. So we're not even going to go into that. So if you're like, well, wait, I want to hear Micah's story, <laughs> go look for it. You'll find it. There are a lot, of, a lot of opportunities for that out there if you haven't seen it already. One of the things that happened after you came to Christ on your LDS mission was you were called, and I don't even know how all this, but you were called to start a ministry. Yeah. And I remember your mom saying, you're talking about wanting to do a ministry. And she's like, what is ministry? I don't even know what story <laughs> ministry is. And so that's what I want to focus on today. I want to focus yeah. on kind of the story of Adam's Road, how God um, led you. But then grace is our theme. Mm-hmm. It's Unveiling Grace podcast. And so how have you needed to call on grace through now 12 years of ministry? Because it's not, ministry is never an easy road. I've been in ministry for 30 years myself. Mm. And... Well, I'm not sure some of our listeners even know what that means, right? When I was <laughs> right. in performance-based yeah. religion, so maybe we should kind of right, and that's where I'd like to start. Is. So, with God's call, what moved you to start Adams Road, and just kind of give us a little bit of the backstory to Adams Road? Yeah. So, when I first came to know Jesus, the only thing that I knew for certain was that I wanted other people to know what I had found. And I think that in my experience in the last 12 years of ministry, I think that most people, when they come to that point, they want the same thing. And I think that's kind of our inherent desire as Christians is to want to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. Because when we find the depth of God's love for us that we couldn't find in whatever our background was at the time, whenever we came to know it, then you want other people to know it. I mean, that was why the apostles went out and were so willing to give up everything in their lives, including their own life, you know, to martyrdom was because of what they knew in Jesus was more valuable than anything that they had ever known. And so I think for me, that was how it started was simply, I knew that God had made a radical change in my heart. I knew that the things that I grew up believing were very different from the things that I'd come to know through reading the Bible. And I knew that I loved other people enough to want them to know what I had found. And of course, for me at that time, it was initially people that had come out of a similar, you know, or or were in at that time, a similar works-based religion. But now it's everybody, you know, because the reality (laughs) is, is that everybody needs Jesus, you know, from any walk of life, from any culture, from any circumstance. And the gospel is the solution to all of those problems, you know, to our sin problem. And they need Jesus under the context of grace, right? Right. Jesus not under the context of a performance-based religion. Yeah. And I think that that revelation of grace through the Word of God and coming 
Well, I'd gone through these struggles, you know, in this religion of, of trying to be right with God right. and doing everything that I could do in order to make myself right through performance and feeling like I could never truly get there. Yeah. And I remember uh, one night when I was on my, my mission for my church, I, I just desperately cried out to God and it was kind of like, I can't do this anymore. Like I was just at you know, the end of my rope because I felt like no matter what I did, it was never sufficient. And, and I remember saying to God, how could you love me and how could you forgive me? You know, and it's kind of part yeah. of that process of, of knowing grace is knowing how badly we need it. Yes. And, and, and realizing and looking in the mirror after a whole life of believing that I was good according to the standard of my religion and realizing that I was just a, a wretch, you know, and, and knowing the depth of that wretchedness within my own soul and finally giving that to God and, and God kind of coming to me almost with a smile on his face and saying, look, I've, it's been there all along. <laughs> yes. You know, my love and my forgiveness has been there through Christ from the very beginning. And all I've asked is for you to receive it. It's right here. Right. And so after coming to that grace, then I didn't really know what to do. I was 21 years old. Um, my high school girlfriend had also come to know the grace of God. And so we moved from Utah to Florida and started a whole new life, really had no idea what that life was going to look like, but we did know that we wanted to tell people what we had come to know. And so it was just amazing because one by one, God began to work in the hearts of lives of people that I knew, um, people that were part of that religious-based you know, system with mm -hmm. me, that works-based religion. And one by one, we had about five of us that all came to the saving knowledge of the grace of Christ. And all of us had a unique um, background of music as well. And so we okay. kind of felt this call, like, let's take what God has given us unless use it to tell other people about what we've come yeah. to know. Now, had any of you done music together like prior to your mission? No, no. Okay. No. Because I always wondered, so how did you guys get together? <laughs> because it's, I mean, you guys are phenomenal. I mean, I love, I love your music. And so God's gifted you with an incredible ability both to write and to perform. And so... So even that is just I mean, his grace in drawing you together. Yeah. So what what made you decide on um, a band, a musical group, as kind of the core to this outreach to ministry? Was there anything particular that triggered that? Or not really, other than we all saw the commonality of number one, our our backgrounds, you know, in a workspace religion, and number two, our passion for music. Like all of us, just you know, music was a big part of our lives. Right. Um, previous. Common, don't you think that's common in this particular works-based religion? The arts are huge. Yeah. And so lots of that's folks true. who grow yep. up in it, right, have had a lot of musical opportunities. And right. um, so it's kind of a natural fit, even in reaching out to that community, right. I think. Yeah, yeah and what, what was unique about it is that we all played different, you know, it's not like we got together beforehand before God saved us and say, hey, what do you play? What do you play? Let's start a band. <laughs> right. You know, it was God saved us all individually, brought us together, and then we saw how each one of our giftings through God complemented, you know, mm. each other's giftings. And so, right. yeah. And at that point, we, you know, we weren't really qualified in the sense of, you know, we were very young in our walk, but we did know 
that we could write music. And so that was basically how it started. Okay. And so we jumped right into ministry, but our ministry at that point was kind of singular to music, you know, yeah. and, and it wasn't until we were able to grow in the knowledge and grace of God over years that we really changed the aspect of how we approach ministry where it wasn't just about, you know, writing songs, but it also became more about preaching and sharing our right. testimonies <laughs> and, and those things as we developed and matured. And Jesus, so right. yeah. And now Adams Road Ministry includes outreach through Compassion International, right? And I mean, so you guys have got a number of things that's going mm -hmm. on. So, so share a little bit about those early days. You know, as you're on fire, as you're trying, as you're coming together, you have this unique common call. Um, you guys all end up in kind of the same place. I mean, we're right. in this, we're in this hotel. Right. Edgewater Hotel, even here where we're recording this this time, a little bit about how, I mean, how did that, because that's a very unique yeah. aspect that you've got. Yeah. This ministry, Center Outreach, Bread and Breakfast Hotel. <laughs> How yeah. does God open that door? Yeah, I certainly never had that in my plans, you know, to be where I am now doing what I'm doing, but it's also just a witness to how God loves us right. and he and he knows us intimately and he you know i think has a plan for us and absolutely and so i i began this process i i actually when i was on my my mission trip i met a gentleman who is part of my same religion we became really close and as i started to read the bible and started to come to know the saving grace of God, I was communicating with him the things that I was coming to learn. And so he and I kind of went through that process together. Okay. And uh, he was one of the owners of, of the hotel at the time. And so we became close friends as I traveled throughout Florida doing my mission trip. Um, we stayed in communication. And um, by the time I ended up getting sent home and kicked off my mission trip for my profession of faith in Jesus and all the you know, subsequent consequences, you know, of that, um, he invited me to come back and, and basically to kind of give me a refuge because I know that the culture that I had known and loved and grown up in was going to be a difficult place for me to be. Right. Um, yes. As a 21-year-old, brand new in the faith and kind of mm -hmm. like Daniel in the lion's den in a mm, sense, yeah, you know, exactly. or, or David in the house of Saul uh, when Saul was trying to kill him, you yes. know, and that's kind of <laughs> how I felt. And it, for me, it was like... Uh, a time in the wilderness, you know, where David just, he knew when to stand and to face, and he also knew when to run. Right. And, when and to take so, yeah, and, yes. I felt like at that point in my life, like I needed to grow, you know, like, like Saul of Tarsus, who had just had my eyes open, like I needed my time to be taught, you know, by the word of God and through the spirit of God. And so uh, this gentleman basically offered me a place to live and a refuge. He was kind of like my Jonathan, you know, to, to David. And so, I came here and, and as God began to kind of lay this plan on our hearts about this ministry and what we could do, um, he essentially, you know, turned over his portion of the business to us for the purpose of, you know, doing it for the building of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Christ. Wow. And so it was never for our benefit and it never has been and never will be. And none of us, you know, have personal benefit from that. But everything that we do here is what allows our ministry to operate you know, in the way that it does. And so that was right, kind of a neat you, thing. You give away all your music. Yeah. You don't charge for any of your concerts. Obviously, you allow for love arms. You have expenses when you're on the road and things like that. But yeah. this is a very much not-for-profit endeavor. This right. is a gospel outreach, and God has continued to provide the means for you to operate 
even as you grow and expand mm -hmm. your ministry. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, when, when, when Paul, in, in certain areas in his travels, he was a tent maker by trade, and he right. did that. Um, and he was very honest to the church and saying, I'm doing this, and I work hard, you know, basically in order to alleviate the burden of my living have to be being upon the church right. and so that you never question what my motives are. Right. And I remember early on in ministry um, reading 1 Corinthians 15, and uh, and he says something to the effect of, you know, he, he, he's talking about, or maybe it's 2 Corinthians 15, excuse me, but he's talking about um, the right that he has an apostle, you know, in order yes. to basically claim what he needs from the church and these other things. And he says, mm -hmm. What then is my reward that in preaching the gospel, I can offer it free of charge so as to not make full use of my right? And he said, look, I have the right to demand these things of you, but I don't want to because I don't want anything to be a stumbling block of, number one, my motivation for preaching the gospel and yes. two, you being able to hear the gospel. Which might be a stumbling block to this particular performance-based religion, right? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. They believe it's righteous in order to not receive money, right? right? Yeah. And so we've taken that model, essentially. Like, we don't, like, we have no personal financial gain through the ministry. Um, we don't take sure any salary been, from it. I'm sure it. you've been accused. I'm sure you've been <laughs> Oh, accused yeah. You're just doing yeah. this for the money. Exactly. You're doing this. Because, yeah. I mean, if I've heard that once, I've heard that. <laughs> multiple dozens of times yeah in Same fact with the book right exactly yeah. yes you just somebody had mentioned that yeah. we were getting rich off of the jesus is enough <laughs> slogan and i'm just like, thinking well that's kind of ironic right. because everything that we do is a ministry and we're very open about it's all for free Right. And the only thing that we don't do for free, which is sell Jesus mm -hmm. Enough t-shirts, is 100% of those proceeds go to sponsoring and supporting impoverished children around the world. And you have how many of those now at this and point? And we, we sponsor about 50 children at this okay. point in 25 countries. Because at, at Wednesday's Bible study, the, I was great. I was looking over the pictures <laughs> and just of all these kids. Yeah. And it's like so huge. It's like an extended family yeah. for the ministry yeah. that... And that's where all that goes to. So, and that was a big decision for us. Was like, because we didn't want to sell stuff. Like, because it's right. we like we never wanted that to be a stumbling block to people or to be accused of. Well, you're doing this to be rich. So we said, well, what's a way that we can do something to raise money that doesn't even go to our own ministry, right. and that is kind of a universal benefit. And and that was what God laid on our heart. So it's been great and amazing. And so, yeah. yeah. So, I'd like to hear a little bit about the not so great. Yeah. <laughs> because you can't take, because how many people are involved in the ministry now, roughly? Probably about, there's about 15 or so. Okay, so yeah. it's 15 of you um, living together, sharing life together, mm -hmm. all contributing to keeping the bed and breakfast going, to working within the ministry. Yeah. You don't bring together that many people who are <laughs> still fallen yeah. and broken without needing to rely on grace. And so I guess I'd like to hear a little <laughs> yeah. bit about how has how has God kept you close, kept you dependent? Let us in on a little bit of that and how God has even used some of that. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that there's maybe this misunderstanding with young Christians that when we come to know this amazing and great grace of God, that our lives just all of a sudden blossom according to the standard of the flesh and the world around us. And, and I think that the reality that a lot of churches and pastors and people maybe don't want to preach is that it, it's not. And, and it's challenging to be a disciple of Jesus. And yes. um, I think that we want to paint 
this picture with rose-colored glasses mm-hmm. that being a follower of Jesus just means that things in our life are good. And, and all fall together. And, yeah, you know. and everything just always works and our relationships are always <laughs> great. And um, I, I think that when we read Scripture and when we read, in fact, today I was listening to the book of Acts um, and, and just how challenging it was for, for the apostles who had walked with, spoken with, loved Jesus, you know, and how they had to go out in their mission to proclaim the gospel to all of creation and how challenging that was and how daily the grace of God was needed in their lives. And when you read the, the letters of Paul and the epistles of Paul and, and, yes. and, and, you know, second Corinthians 12, and he's, you know, has this thorn in his flesh and he's pleading that it's taken right. away and all these things. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and it just never how, is. And, it, and it never was. And God's answer was no, you know, yeah. it's, it's going to be a struggle, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And, you know, my power is made perfect in your weakness. weakness. And mm-hmm. so, the recognition, I think, for me as a young Christian, especially when it was really just my wife, Alicia, and I from the beginning was when that kind of, it's like when you fall in love, you know, for the first time and every, you can do no wrong in right. your relationship and <laughs> exactly. the person can never do any wrong. And I'm not saying that after marriage of 13 years that, you know, things are bad. It's just that the reality of who you are and who that person is, you know, the kind of rose-colored picture of everything goes away. And I think even in our relationship with God, mm-hmm. like we fall in love and it's the most amazing thing we've ever experienced. And yet we still have to live life day to day in right. the flesh. We still have to struggle with, you know, the temptations that, that we face on a daily level mm-hmm. to see our weaknesses and go through those things. And I think that once that kind of initial shock of everything that had happened in my life wore off. And, and I don't want to say that in a way that, I mean, the grace of God is, is everything that I live for every right. day. Exactly. But facing the reality of, of ministry and relationships and all those things, um, it was a struggle. And there were some really hard times and there still are hard times. And um, I think being able to accept that was important for me. And, and I think that I wanted to be perfect for God in the same way that I was when I was a a workspace person, believing that now that I really understand your grace and I want to respond with love, I'm going to show you that I can just do it all. (laughs) And I think that the reality is we can never do it all. And and the only thing that we can do is to hold on to and trust in the grace of God, Mm. you know, that gives us that power every day. And even Paul, the great apostle, had to rely desperately on the grace of God in his own weakness. Um, and so, yet, so can you tell me about one of those early? Do you have a memory um, of one of those early challenges, challenges. <laughs> where, and then where you had to, and then I mean, and then God showed up and you worked through some hard stuff. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of relational challenges early on um, when you take people from just different parts of life and you throw them together and you're living under one roof and and a lot of times they're strangers and God calls people there and you're sharing a a home and a family and all those other things. Um, Yeah, there were a lot of instances and one of the things that you asked me that you know, like how, how do you make it work? You know, when you have so many people living in so such close proximity, you're around each other 24 seven and you're essentially a family. How do you not kill each other? You know, (laughs) it's one of the questions that we get um, often on the road. And one of the things that we've really tried to do in modeling our lives after the early church and the Acts church and Acts two and Acts four. And I love this passage in Acts four. And it says, now the number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things, oh, I just skipped to the (laughs) next chapter. Um, And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. 
And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And, um, and then it goes on to say that there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Now, when we came together as a group and as God brought us together, one of the, the deliberate decisions that we made was we are no longer individuals, you know, separate from the body of Christ. Right. That not only are we part of the universal worldwide body, but we are part of a body here in this group and in this ministry. And, and we very much modeled our lives after, you know, the Acts 2 and Acts 4 prescription, right. which was nothing is our own. We're not living for ourselves. We have a common faith and we have a common goal and we have a common purpose, and that is the gospel. Above any of us, above any worldly pursuit, above any career, above any salary or anything else, and everything that we had that was a part of our old lives, we took to get took it and and kind of put it in the proverbial you know pot, pot <laughs> yep. and and said everything that we have is now everybody's according to God's will to use that in order to do what He wants to do with us. Right. And I think that the sooner we came to that realization. And I think that for any believer, like the more that we realize we're not living for ourselves, that our call in Christ is to separate ourselves from the world, to lose the world, to gain Christ, and to have a purpose to where we are working and living for something beyond what we can see now, beyond the temporal. Right. You know? So what would that goal be, that purpose be for Adam's Road? It's the proclamation of the gospel. And, and, and I think the, um, the witnessing of to both believers and non-believers, you know, to, to non-believers, obviously the saving grace of God yes. that has been manifest in the flesh through Jesus and that love that is offered to all of us and to, to believers that we as Christians are not called to a life of complacency. We are not called to a life that is to, you know, tread the line between discipleship and the world, that we are to go full in to the gospel. I mean, that is what we're called to do, not right. put our hand to the plow and look back. Especially in America, it's a challenge because yeah. we live for many people, not for all, but for a lot of people compared to the rest of the world, we live in a prosperous land, you know, financially, mm, yes. temporally. And I Absolutely. think that that creates uh, a level of complacency in the church. And, and often we don't have urgency in our proclamation of the gospel. And I think you know, my mother and, and the cost of discipleship for her, you know, and for many people in our group. Yeah. And one of the unique things about being in this group and ministry is that every single person, you know, ha has taken up their cross and followed Jesus and many at heavy costs, you know, many at relationships with family members, um, even jobs, even homes, you know, right. um, careers, yeah, reputations, um, scholarships, education. you know, yeah, education, yeah. You know, all these plans and purposes and and all that that we had in our lives to be able to say like Paul did that everything that I once counted as gain in my life, I can now count those things as loss because the surpassing worth that I have in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And, and and that's what we want others to know is like that is that is the sufficiency that we have in Jesus. That's what Jesus enough means, you know, is that what he yes. offers us, the world can never give you, you know, exactly. and if you seek that satisfaction through the things of this world, then you'll never be satisfied. Right. You'll always come up empty. Yeah. You'll always come up short. You will always come up dissatisfied, discontent, ungrateful. Yeah. Maybe one final question, because I know we got to be getting close to our podcast thing is, mm -hmm. is this. 
So what have you put into place as a community to help you stay focused on the grace of Christ and on this commitment? I mean, yeah. is there anything that you do practically? Because the Christian life, it's a day-to-day -day choice. Yeah. So do you have anything that's helped you as a community, as a group? Yeah. kind of do that? Yeah, I, th I think that we have. I mean, practically, number one, the fact that we, we have made a deliberate decision not to sell things, not to make profit from the gospel, and right. not that there's anything wrong with people who live for the gospel to have a living from the gospel, but we've made a deliberate choice so that that will never be a temptation to us. And number two is that Mm -hmm. uh, we meet together often, even daily. We, we, we read scripture together. We pray for one another. And being in close proximity, we're able to know when people are struggling, when they're having right. a problem, that we're here for them. They have an entire community of believers that can say, when someone is weak, the strong will lift them up. And sometimes I'm the weak one, and I need other people you know, to give me that strength and that love and that compassion to lift me up in, in, in Christ. And, so, and to hold each other accountable right. to that, I which is really great. To have yeah. a community of authenticity and transparency, and, and the understanding that nobody is gonna pull it off perfectly, that you're gonna have bad days. But hey, on your worst day, God loves you the same, I love you the same, I'm here for you, and, and we're gonna do this together. Absolutely. Um, that's phenomenal. Well, thank you, Micah. Um, thank you for helping us kind of explore this aspect of grace, that's something we need daily, and yeah. for just the challenge, I think, for all of us to step more fully into letting Jesus be enough for whatever we have, whatever we need. It is. Um, it is. Thank it's you. all because of God's grace. Yeah. Lynn, any final commentary? Close us out? Absolutely not. I could listen to this all day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you for joining us for another episode. We hope you've been challenged and blessed and encouraged. And again, so many places to go for information. We invite you to reach out to us adamsroadministry.com unveiling mormonism.com irr.org and of course everything on the podcast unveilinggracepodcast.com where you can hear this and other stories contact us send in your questions your stories thanks for being with us on this journey and again thanks Micah for, yeah, thanks for having me part with us grace and peace to you until next time on the unveiling grace podcast Amen. So long. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.